Hello, Chomp Nation, and welcome to a special episode of the Chompcast. We have assembled during the holidays to talk about the video games that we've been playing. Believe it or not, it's been almost a month since we have talked about the games we've played on the show due to the Game of the Year discussions, and we also received some review codes, so we decided to make a shorter show. This episode will be structured a bit differently than our usual episodes as we won't have a topic or social media polls to discuss. It will strictly be about the games. So we just have a few small announcements before we get started. As you may have noticed, a Chomping After Dark went up in the main feed. We wanted to give people a chance to see what we are doing with that show. So if you haven't checked it out yet, um, please check it out. And if you like it or have some feedback, please let us know and email us at swordchomp at gmail.com. Also, on the Patreon, we are having a special Game of the Year show go up for the people who are currently patrons or were earlier this year. Feel free to check it out as the categories were chosen by the patrons. So let's get to some quick introductions before the game talk starts. First, I am joined by my friend, Rich, who is calling in from the Big Apple, New York itself. How are you doing, buddy? Uh, not bad, you know, hanging around. Um, hol- holidays and all that are yeah. happening. How, how were they, the holidays? Or the eh, first half of them? They're fine, you know, mostly over, thank God. Thank uh, God. Yeah, I'm kind of over it, you know? It's been exhausting. Existing? Um, yeah, I mean, that's no different than usual. Uh, I found some time to do some other upkeep stuff. Got some new new glasses, you know? That's uh, exciting. Uh, I went to see Spider-Man in IMAX last night. Ooh. Second time? Third yeah. time? Second time. Was it just as good the second time? It was just as good, and, you know, the IMAX adds an element. I've been to one of those in a long time. And, you know, the IMAX speakers help to drown out the people sitting behind you who can't shut the fuck up. Yeah. What, 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 well, there's so many things to pick apart there, but what were they talking about? I don't know. It was hard to hear them over the IMAX speakers, thankfully. Did you turn around and say, hey, could you ever so kindly shut up? No, I don't really like to look at people or engage with people. I'd rather they just die. Well, I, man, you're coming in real negative today, man. <laughs> you right? I'm Jesus. in a pretty good mood. <laughs> no, like, I, I expect New York, like, when somebody's inconveniencing someone else like that, I expect them to be like, hey, shut up. I'm you like know? a train or something. I don't, like, uh. You just th- keep going? There's more of a, yeah, move and keep going type thing. Like, we're strapped in here together. Mm-hmm. I really wish you'd just shut the fuck you, up, but I've got really a advantage. very definitive timer. Yeah. On, on your relationship together there. Yeah, we're str- we're in here for a two and a half hour film together, mm-hmm. um, and thankfully well, I paid seven extra dollars for louder speakers, so it's paying off. Yeah, that's fair. Well, hopefully, talking about games can get you in a better mood today, man. You, can- I did not <laughs> expect that negativity, especially with us talking before the show. But we'll get you in a better mood. I'm glad you're here, despite that. Though. Video games. Video games, indeed. Next, I'm joined by Josh calling in from North Carolina. Josh, how was your Christmas? Um, way too busy. Um, I'm just 
exhausted still from from all of that. Um, yeah. All right. Uh, just a million things going on before and after trying to get everything straightened out um, for Christmas, and it. Uh, yeah. Yeah, like I kind of need this week off between holidays to uh to recover. Uh Fair enough. Well, th- I mean, did you get any nice presents at least? Anything like that? Um, yeah. Yeah, I got a new uh chef's knife that I'd been hey. looking at for a while. <laughs> new murder weapon. <laughs> I mean, is it is it just a like one you cook with or is it a Tonberry replica? Trying to think what Tonberry uses. Chef's knife. I know it's a chef's knife, but it's uh Is there some detail? That's a pretty German style blade that he uses. Um Yeah, no. I don't know I I don't know shit about knives, so Well well it's Chef's knives in particular are kind of their whole own category. Um but anyway. No, it's 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 a guitar cartilage. So Okay. Okay, have you used it yet on food that you're planning to eat? <laughs> Since we're recording this. Yes, yes, yes on, on food. <laughs> what some people would call food. I my knife on food exclusively. On human food. Food for humans. Yes. That's, <laughs> Classic. That's Classic. Ah, the hijinks Josh gets into on Christmas. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Josh is not an alien. Can aliens even hold or wield knives? It depends on the alien, I suppose. Well, yeah, it depends on truly what aliens are. I don't know, Josh. Can you wield a knife? <laughs> I mean, how would you know? You're a normal human. Mm-hmm. Like he exactly. said. Like he said, he used the knife for human food. I'm Tom Brady, you've just won the Super Bowl. What are you going to do next? I'm going to go home and sleep because I'm a person. <laughs> You know, I did not expect Rich of all people to mm. pull in a sports reference, but here we are. Here we are. It's almost 2022. New year old me. I was going to say t- 2021 and Rich can still surprise me. Mm-hmm. No, but I'm glad you're here, Josh. Uh, I'm glad that you don't have your knife with you, but I'm glad you're here. And I'm Shay calling in from Japan. I am excited to discuss games. Um, my Christmas holidays have been really nice. I have been on vacation. I've been playing just a ton of video games. I've gotten to see some old friends, and I'm going to be able to see a few more, thankfully, uh, before the holidays are done. That's All that nice. good jazz. So it's been good. It's been really oh, nice. Shout out to, uh, while we're on here, give us a launch day on Disney+. Plus. Shout out to my buddy Mike, uh, the launch of the Book of Boba Fett. He's the lead visual design. Uh, yeah, anyways, as I continue with my intro, I'm uh, sorry, since I wasn't done. Um, you reminded me of days. You're a nice guy. Uh, oh, okay. Well, yeah, shout out to Mike. Anyways, um, <laughs> where the fuck did that come from? You made me think of a thing. I don't even remember why. <laughs> I'm just so tired. No, it's all good. Um, since I know you guys aren't going to help me out with this. Hey, Shay, what'd you get for Christmas presents? Oh, let me tell you. Um, I got a nice metal water bottle, one of the Hydro Flasks. All right. I, I fucking love that company. 
and I got one of those, and I got a nice turtleneck sweater. What size be talking? Not on the turtleneck. That would be a weird question. Um, thirty-two ounce. There you go. That'll get I you want, water where it needs I kind of wanted the sixty-four one one twenty-eight ounce, but I was just like, that's just that's too. I don't. Can you legally carry those in Japan? Uh, well, a that's a good question. I'm not sure, but <laughs> but b that's like having a raised truck, right? Mm-hmm. Just showing off. It just yeah. yeah you no, know if you get the water bottle that size, you have to add the truck nuts to it legally. <laughs> it's <laughs> just dangling off the little handle here, mm-hmm. just mini truck have nuts. You, yep. Have you ever? This might be a loaded question with the Montana background. Have you ever met someone who's actually bought truck nuts? Because I'd yep. love to smack them in the teeth. <laughs> yep. Yeah, absolutely. Montana, yeah, that's what, like, yes. yes. Yeah. That's horrible. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it is what it is, though. I mean, I, fuck it. We, we, we spend our money on tons of video games. Mm-hmm. Other people spend their money on yeah, but, like, their metal, thing metal is replicas stupid. of testicles. Their thing is dumb, though. If it makes you happy. Some well, people I mean, buy to be fair, replica Rich, testicles for their dogs. If that's what makes you happy, I don't want you to be happy. <laughs> but, like, here's the thing, Rich. They do have the Rocky Mountain Oyster Festival there in Montana. Oysters I mean, are cool. if any True. state is going to have truck nuts, it should be Montana for that reason and that reason alone. Mm-hmm. But oysters are cool. Rocky Mountain Oysters. Uh, you know what those are? I have no idea what that is. Oh, wow. Okay. So um, every year they have this festival, and Rocky Mountain oysters are bull testicles. And so they have a festival where people go and eat them. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. That's pretty mm-hmm. stupid. Well, don't knock it till you try it. If it was like a... I feel like I can't... <laughs> I can hear the exasperation in your voice right now. I feel now. like I can knock something if you're like, it's actually pretty good. I'm like, if it was a challenge on Fear Factor, I think I can feel free to knock it. I mean, oh, Joe uh, Rogan made a career out of it. Fuck Joe Rogan. Um, that was the worst argument I think chance, I've ever heard. I'm just giving you the chance to fucking be negative today. You really Let's are. Let's just move on. Let's oh, get wait, into can some I, games. Can I get a positive note before we start, Shay? You'd be proud yeah, of me. Please. Uh, please. I, f- I finished number one in the Sapphire League in Duolingo this week. Hey, good job. Right. Good job. That's awesome. You're climbing up the ranks there. I'm climbing on a 30 day streak as of today. Good All job, right. dude. That is a positive note. I actually went and bought some uh, nailing that Japanese. Klingon he's learning. Hell yeah, baby! <laughs> oh, is there a Klingon on there? It is. There is one hundred percent Klingon on there. Is it really on there? Yeah, there is. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, if there is, we. Are I, this is not it. a joke at all. Wait, Klingon is, is Tol- on. Duolingo. Wait, if that's on there, is Tolkien Elvish on there? I've there not checked, a, but they should put that on likely. There's there is Klingon. There on is. There. Is there Tolkien Elvish? No. Damn it! But, but there is High Valyrian. That, okay, that's... There you go. That's weird. Actually, that's pretty cool. There's Navajo on here. That's cooler that's cool. than... Because those were real people, so that's cooler. Uh-huh. That's what yeah. I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Oh, it's Ancient yeah, Sumerian on here. <laughs> Hold on. It. <laughs> it. That sounded racist. 
it. There was so much veracity behind okay. it. I didn't like okay. the way it sounded. This isn't a Duolingo <laughs> ad. This is cool. I'm, I'm going to have to learn some Klingon just so but, I can be But Shay, with the new Duolingo family plan, learning a new language has never been easier. Really? And I've heard that, that right now all plans are 60% off for the new year. Uh, That's true, Shay. <laughs> Actually, it is true. <laughs> it is true. Actually, I was thinking about upping for the year. because I was, too. <laughs> yeah, do you want to make a family plan and save some money? I actually, let's I, talk I actually about it after did. the show. Legitimately. <laughs> Legitimately. But no, um, I would like that in all sincerity. But I bought some uh, Japanese books over the pa- uh, a few days ago to start studying for the next uh, level. Because I right. want to get to a fucking conversational level by the end of the year. Hell yeah, by, man. By the end of 2022, that is. Not 2021. <laughs> yeah, Just fucking go for it, Really man. cram. Yeah. Really cram. And, you know, I'll be speaking uh, Elvish with the best of them in no time. <laughs> what, like, real quick question before we get in. Because, this, like, yeah. sorry for the longer intro, uh, l- ladies and gentlemen, and everyone in between, is that we have not really talked to each other much since the last game of the year show. We've been busy um so With this is like stuff. us kind of catching up but yeah. what is like one quick question before you get into games which is the nerdier language you you think uh between the two to know klingon or elvish i think klingon just because i feel like there's probably an argument to be made but i feel like klingon is like a smaller sect like the Klingons only exist in the Star Trek franchise where like if you're talking like generally elvish, like there's a bigger blanket statement because be like, what kind of elvish we talking here? Interesting. Josh. No comment. Um, he's good. She's trying to formulate a response in elvish. <laughs> you know, I, I, kinda, I was kind of. I was kind of no, thinking in the same vein. Speak, Rich. Speaking of actually knowing these, um, a girl I liked in high school once wrote me a a, a note in Cinderin. Okay. Jesus Christ! Did that work on you? Hmm. Did it work? It took it took me a long time to like actually nerd. translate the thing. He was like, <laughs> like he writes her a note back that literally just says "nerd." <laughs> That's horrible. That's horrible. That's horrible. Sorry, I don't date dorks. <laughs> check yes if you want to date. Check no if you want to date. He creates a new checkbox. I don't date dorks. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's horrible. But I mean, like, making fun of that situation. But that's kind of cool, yeah, man. But it, 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 That's a power move. It's a... It's a right? Like not, like I'm just not, genuinely impressed by it. Yeah, yeah. As as far as an opener goes, that's that's, you know, you I know, mean, a, a, a real bold. it was real bold technical because... gambit you've got going on there. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's a little ballsy because you don't know if someone's gonna reciprocate or appreciate that. Mm-hmm. But um. Back to back to the main question. So I did want to say that um, I don't know because Klingon is assuming that we know these creatures in the future. We've achieved space travel and we've been able to meet, right? Mm-hmm. But uh, also, Rich does make a good point that elves kind of permeate a lot more um, different 
media forms, there's a, a lot of fantasy out there, and a lot of it has some form of elves in there. So, I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe Klingon is the nerdier language to know. Yeah. But also, Klingon is so... The Klingon race is so aggressive that... Mm-hmm. Maybe it's a po- it's more you know, of a power. The, the, the thing about you know, that I, that always confused me. I could do me. that, but I didn't used to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. With with the universal translators and everything, why mm-hmm. could why could we hear so many Klingon words? You know um, that, that is a that is a question that constantly pops up. You know, or like when uh, Picard it's like the kanji of Klingon. When There's Picard no word for would it. sometimes say French, how did that come through? Exactly. You know, it was it's, all it's all about the user's intent. Um, he intended for you to hear French. I uh, one of my one I mean, of my I favorite. I no idea. <laughs> they they had a few episodes where they did some stuff with the Universal Translator in the Star Trek universe, and one of yeah. my favorite ones is in DS Nine when uh, yeah, Quark, yeah. Rom, and Nog accidentally get sent back to nineteen forties um, US. Yeah, and um, the this group in the military thinks that the uh, the three Ferengi are from Russia and their universal translator isn't working for some reason because some temporal problem. Mm-hmm. And basically they're trying to figure out what they're saying to each other. And they're doing these, this like uh, physical comedy trying to get their universal translator working. And the uh, 1940s American people are just imitating them. <laughs> oh, it's gold. I I I know a lot of people don't like the Frangie episodes in DS9. I loved them. That's because they're fools. Exactly. Indeed. Indeed. We have found friends here amongst each other. <laughs> and uh what better thing to do with that friendship than go and start talking about some games? We have a lot of games some to get Ferengi. to. Ferangi. Um, gold press latinum but yeah let's let's get into some games so the first game we're going to talk about today is halo infinite um believe it or not we have not been able to talk about this game since it's dropped because we were doing game of the year stuff and uh, we decided not to include it in our personal game of the year talks due to the fact that um it came out midway through december we wanted to make sure to assuage some recency bias so what better thing to do than talk about it right now? It's uh, one of the biggest games in the world currently, or at least in uh, Western countries, I, I should say. I don't know about the world. My Japanese students don't really know what this game is or this franchise is, which made me feel old, of course. But um, Halo Infinite. I did not expect this game to actually come out this year, um, despite that the multiplayer was kind of um, given to us and it surprised us. It was a wonderful gift. Uh, we had been able to play it before Game of the Year talk, and we talked about it a little bit. But now the full game is dropped. The campaign is out. Um, so let's get into that a little bit. Um, Rich, what were your first impressions of Halo Infinite's campaign? Um, I think, and this is me. I'm not done with it yet. I'm. I'm I've got a decent chunk in. Same. Same. Um, I think the the open a lot of people are calling it like a a semi open world and i think that's a fair assessment um i think it mostly works like i it it has rightfully breathed some fresh air into halo as a franchise um even if the world itself feels a bit dated by the comparison of like modern open worlds 
Um, there is still something pretty cool about just picking up some Marines and like cruising off at a Warthog and naturally finding those like Halo firefights. And it, it, it is a Halo. It shoots well. The guns feel good. It does all of the stuff you want Halo to do right. I still don't give a fuck about Halo's plot. Um, it's, uh, it's, I, I enjoy, enjoy playing it. It feels good in motion. Uh, the, the other big, the thing that I think is more revolutionary than even the open world, because I still think the interior level design stuff, like the actual instant stuff is the best looking shit here. Yeah. Um, that grappling hook, man, is a revelation. Like it is kind of the thing that Halo needed to shake up its combat. Um, and there are other power-ups you get as you go. Pretty much all the power-ups from multiplayer, like the drop shield and the ping radar and stuff, um, you can swap between on the fly, but the grappling hook is the most vital and I do think the most game-changing to the Halo formula, and that's pretty cool. Yeah, I will, I will say this. Um, I'll jump in there, and then we'll let Josh jump in last on that. Is my first impressions, I love the opening cinematic. Um, I, I really liked it a lot. It was a nice settle back into the halo universe i didn't play much of four i watched my little brother play some of five kind of fell off halo pretty hard last one i actually played was halo reach so watching that opening cinematic was kind of like getting master chief back into my life so to speak it was kind of a metaphor for that so i really i really appreciated the opening cinematic and um being integrated back into the halo universe as the game opens up into that open world yeah, I I've actually really enjoyed that that whole checkpoint system where you can go do all these various things. Honestly, in a way, I don't know why. I know you're going to you guys are going to laugh at this. It kind of made me want to go play Cyberpunk 2077 for some reason. <laughs> for like a minute I was like, that is I the really meanest thing play. you could ever yeah, say about a game. Why would you say that about Halo? That's fucked up. <laughs> I know, but um, I was playing it and then but, I wanted to go play the worst game ever That's made. like going like, oh, I was playing this game and it really made me want to go twist my nuts in a vice grip. <laughs> Speaking of uh, truck nuts, but no, um, I, I, uh, I really like the exploration in the open world setting uh, when you're exploring uh, Zeta. I yes. like that a lot. I, Rich, I feel similarly to you that... I don't really care that much about the the story. I I think that a lot of the story that they're building up is interesting, but I think they're doing it in a way that it's very drawn out. You know, there it's rare that I feel like a story is yeah. overly drawing itself out and a lot of the cutscenes and stuff and a lot of the dialogue just feels way longer than it needs to be because it'll be like Master Chief walking up for like five seconds and then I need a weapon. Um, the weapon says something and then he sits there and ponders it for a few seconds and then he says a one-liner that is supposed to be witty, which is fine. I mean, that's that's always been the Halo formula. But that, I just that's the best bit though, I think. Like I want more just constant Master Chief one-liners. Maybe because I just want this to be a MacGruber game. I don't know. Well, um, <laughs> I, I, I want it more I want it more in the actual world. Like when it happens in the actual world, when the weapon's like, oh, looks like you killed all the enemies. Looks like uh the flood uh not the flood, uh the banished are gonna be having a hard time. And then 
Master Chief's like they never had a chance to begin with. Something like that. It's not exactly my, my favorite. But one I that... love that. Or I love when the grunts say shit in the game. I love those moments. It's just like when the cutscenes are very drawn out trying to build up the story. I'm not as much into that. I, I wish Chief had more like uh like world barks like that for dumb shit. Like I wish he was just spouting off commando ass one liners all the time. Like there's one mm. in that early sequence when you fight like one of the, the brute like commanders or whatever. Um, and I, the fucking Cortana equivalent or whatever. The so, yeah, it's a dumb name. Um, says, I mean, so, to be fair, Halo's always had those dumb names, but this is like a new level of they've, dumb. They've taken it to a new level with the weapon and the spanker. This go, yeah, I knew the spanker was gonna stop. Go oh, I, every time I play that, like, I the spanker spawning, and I'm like, stop trying to make spanker happen. Mm -hmm. Um, the, I, <laughs> She says something along the lines of like, oh, they used to call him like the destroyer of blah, blah, blah. And Chief just goes, not anymore. And I'm like, yeah, that's yeah, what like I, that I want more I like. of that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. I love that. But um, I just don't like how drawn out some of the other stuff is trying to build up the story. One of the things I want to say, and that Josh, I really will get you in here. I wanted to mention this before anyone else, because I kind of had this revelation last night. Is I, I can't remember what mission I was doing, but. The music is swelling, and I'm driving around, uh, you know, trying to... Or no, I wasn't driving around. It was one of the earlier missions right before you get out into Zeta's world, is that you're running through and you're jumping off all these exploding parts in this building, and you're trying to escape the building before it all blows up. And I was like, this is what I missed about like not being able to play Halo for years, are these moments of just like running away at breakneck speed trying to avoid grunts and other things being the end of every you. halo game um mm -hmm. th those sequences are amazing halo does it best i mean uh naughty dog has tried to do that somewhat with uncharted the uncharted games but nobody does it better nobody runs halo. away better than master chief that's the it's truth true. That is the truth. So, anyways, uh, y'all gonna Josh, learn today. What, what are your, some of your thoughts on this game, first impressions or otherwise? Um, I kind of, I kind of agree with the the way they're trying to tell the story. Feels very much like a soap opera. Um, yeah, where like next to nothing will happen, but someone will repeat it eight times before the next plot point happens. Um, and it's just tiring a little bit the way they it, it it's really slow and i i get it's they've got this open world for you to screw around with so they don't know how long it's going to be between missions and whatnot so they've got to repeat themselves slightly more so you don't forget what you're even doing there um but like even within those levels it feels like every time you get to a new one let's like let's quick recap let's let's explain everything again um. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of the storytelling. Other than that, I don't know why you would expect anything from the storytelling. It's a Halo game. Um. Yeah, and it does all the Halo game things like a Halo game should. Um, shooting feels great. the The movement in this one is really satisfying. Um. I I still like I I get it like they didn't want to change the formula too much but I still wish you just permanently had the grappling hook like I like in the multiplayer um 
Uh, yeah, I understand why you, you don't do so that. It feels so good having that all the time in the campaign. Oh, it's the best. Like, especially once you get to a point where um, the cooldown is, like, so fast that yeah. you can just use it to, like, scale anything in the world map. Mm-hmm. It feels so good that, like, Yeah, it, it kind of makes it hard going back to not having it again when you're playing multiplayer after that because it's so satisfying. Bungie um, needs to also patch in a please fucking move Marines button because if I kill one more Marine when I call down a Scorpion, they just stand there. Uh-huh. They just stand there and wait. Eh. I don't know, yeah. that, that seems pretty in character for, for John because that, that, that was another thing. Master Chief seems... Is this not the most of a jackass he's ever been? Like, he's always been kind of gruff and, and short, but he, he just seems like a complete asshole in this one. Like, more maybe, so than he's been before. But maybe I'm... It's maybe just you're reading it the opposite of me, because I kind of hate What's-His-Face, the Pelican pilot. Yeah. Like, he's not great, but also, like... He immediately saves Master Chief, and Master Chief's a complete douche to him manages to it's vent kind of his entire hold, getting rid of all the food that he had at that point. You know, maybe I was right. Maybe this is a MacGruber game. <laughs> yeah. Like it, it sure seems that way. Um, I didn't really notice it to be honest with you, but I, I always think he's been like that, like the gruff command. Like, uh, I think there's more opportunity for it because there's so much direct uh, conversation with him and this one character. He's like, we need to get out of here, Chief. And he's like, not yet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, and to be fair, how many games has he had of just like dealing with this shit, getting launched in space, getting shot up? I like one of the things you notice at the beginning of the campaign that I absolutely loved. I know it's such a minor thing is the attention to detail on Master Chief's suit where there are just all these scratches and marks from mm-hmm. over the years just getting fucking pummeled. I really like that small detail because it, it puts into perspective how long Master Chief has been in our lives, how many games we've played as Master Chief. And Longer just, than some of our fathers. <laughs> that's kind of true. Um, and... It's just, it's kind of crazy. So, I mean, for me, Josh, you're mentioning that maybe you're right, but at the same time, all these years of him trying to defeat the Covenant, the, the, all, the all different names that they have and shit. Um, it makes sense to me that you'd be kind of gruff and a dick at that point. You're like, look, I don't have time for, um, people who don't know what they're doing. It's just, it's time to get shit done. So we can get through this kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, it just seems like an odd sentiment for him having been dead until three minutes ago. It, to, be, <laughs> to be fair, he is like a super anti-terrorist robot man who was stolen from his parents as a child. Mm-hmm. That's fair, too. But I, I want to jump back to a point you made really quickly, Josh, because I, 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 I wanted to add something to it. You had said that this game is starting to seem like a soap opera. In the for best way. Those, for those of you who haven't played game the last few games like me, um, this is a minor spoiler, I guess. But one of the things that kind of surprised me was uh, Cortana is no longer with the Master Chief. And as you go collect the weapon, which is the new equivalent of Cortana, the weapon asks, what happened to Cortana? Why, why can I access some of the information? And Master Chief is kind of nebulous about it at first, but then you learn that um, Master Chief, quote unquote, 
killed or got rid of Cortana. And, um... You learned that Halo 5 sucked. Well, and then... <clears throat> excuse me. The weapon is like, well, why? What happened? And then Master Chief was like, because she was the target. And I was like, why all this melodrama? And I still don't understand what the fuck happened to Cortana. It's not like, a good line if you have missed a couple games to figure out what the fuck has happened. I will, I no, will say, not, if you're not caught up, you... It, it's not quite that simple. Yeah. But, like, also... Eh. I mean, yeah. if I... It, here, here's the thing. I don't really care about all the other stuff. One of the things that I really do care about with Halo, or I have in the past, was the relationship between Cortana and Master Chief. That was one yes. of the, the main things I actually did care about in the story. And the fact that they didn't really do a good job of catching people up who, like me, who may have fallen off. I mean, it's yeah. not necessarily their job to do that, um, but it would have been nice. It would have been nice for them to add something in there as a a slightly better explanation but they gave you, you know? a new cortana and maybe and here's the thing may, maybe later in the game there will be some explanation but my so far assumption in the story. is that cortana is going to be back by the end of this game but yeah the way they're telling the story seems an awful lot like if you aren't caught up they're not going to give you anything about that plot point but they're going to very quickly, by giving you constant flashbacks and stuff, try to get you caught up on, like, four of the books to explain, you know, uh, Halsey. Halsey? Is that her name? Yeah, yeah, Halsey. Yeah, Dr. Halsey. Yeah, to try to explain that, because that was only ever in books. I, I, I can't I remember. I mean, Reach covers, Reach covers a lot of the Halsey stuff. Yeah. Reach covers the stuff you need to know. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, it, it's, I don't know. I don't know. It. How come the doctor made the AI look like her but sexy? Hmm. I mean, here's that, an AI computer like program. More, more it's me, but naked. Yeah. Yo, remember when uh, Chief punched Captain Key's decaying head in to get a card key? That was pretty cool. <laughs> that was a good time. Halo like, One's pretty I cool. Mm -hmm. I don't want to just sit here and shit on the game, though, to be fair. Like, th those oh, I don't are think some... we're shitting on it. There's a lot of really good stuff in here. I just, I, yeah. I, it's far from perfect. It, it's, it's got no. some rough edges, but I think no, it's a and... big step up from the last two. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I, I just wanted to make sure it doesn't seem like we're... I should have probably worded that better. I don't want to sit here and seem like we're going to shit, only shit on this game. And yeah. Rich is right. There's some really good things. One of the things I like about this game that they're doing is that they have integrated a um a there there are two types of pings there's like a there's a stationary ping where basically you shoot it out and it alerts you to any nearby enemies there's also a world ping where you can search for items of interest and it also has Detective a sonar vision. on it to right. where if you walk near a collectible Thanks, item it will start sounding off Mm -hmm. And that's been nice because it, it's useful to collect a lot of the audio logs that is integrated into yeah. this game or suit upgrades. And the I'm audio glad logs all been... shooters are Bioshock now. Yeah, kind of. Um, it, it's nice that they have these audio logs in there because it kind of gives me some background as to some of the stuff I've missed in the last games. Yeah. And it's 
it's a way to where I don't have to sit through some of those melodramatic cutscenes or read stuff. It's explained to me much as if I was listening to a podcast on the side of playing this game, which I think is not a new concept, but with how much quote unquote story has happened in this Halo universe, that it helps me get caught up in a passive way, which has been really nice. I will admit that. And one of the, um, uh, fuck, my brain just went blank. Um, yeah, I just, I, I've really enjoyed that. I've really enjoyed that aspect of the game. I, I like I said, I think I, I was probably maybe one of the ones who's like the hardest on being like, I think the, the semi quote unquote open world, um, wore thin for me a little quick. Like I like going around to do those elite targets and getting the special versions of weapons and stuff. But I still think the best design comes from those like corridored areas you go into for specific missions. Mm -hmm. Um, but there's still something quite delightful about just calling down a warthog and like getting a bunch of Marines to hop in and being like, I'm going to go march these guys to their death. Um, and just like, I like getting a razor back, filling it with like eight Marines and driving into the center of a covenant compound and fighting our way out from the inside. I, I love that. I love that. That's mm -hmm. something that has been missing in Halo. And because there isn't a co-op yet integrated into the story that that is the next best thing. And it sure. feels great. I love that. Especially, I love the missions where you bring in two people with you, two Marines, and you have to go rescue some other Marines. So you go into this compound, you rescue some, and then it's like you're rescuing more and more. And suddenly you're leaving the compound with like a, a miniature army of people. And that's cool until you realize that they're all going to try and follow you to the next compound and they're slow as and they're fuck. All, and they're all going to die or disappear. <clears throat> and exactly. eventually I'm going to get out of this warthog when we hit a cliff that's too big and I'm going to grappling hook up it and say goodbye to them. <laughs> yep, that's yeah, exactly right. Um one of the things that is absolutely stand out about this game that I have to mention is just the audio in general and that encom encompasses the soundtrack and the audio design. Yeah. Because I when you get out into Zeta into the actual world, there is a lot there are a lot of sounds happening. And at that moment when I finally got out, I was like, I need to put, actually put my headphones on and play this game with headphones. And it was incredible. It was, I'm not going to say it's next level, but it's damn good. Because you're walking around, you're hearing your footsteps, and then you hear a bird, and it's panned to where the general direction of that bird is coming. Or you'll hear a grunt murmuring kind of off to the right somewhere. And so you'll kind of follow that direction and you'll find a grunt kind of just sitting there sleeping on the side of the road. That shit is amazing. And it also works too with that sonar I was talking about that, that um, alerts you to collectibles as well, that it will be panned into the direction that it's at. So if it's to the left of you, maybe at the seven, at your seven o'clock, it'll be pinging there in your headphones. So you, if you turn that way, then obviously the audio will align itself with where you're looking. And granted, that's not the, is, again, nothing necessarily groundbreaking here, but it was, it's next level, I feel. Uh, I, I, was, I sure. just said it, I wasn't going to say it's next level, but I actually do think <laughs> it is. And one of the things that I think Would is Would you say it's next level? I did. Um... One of the things that I really thought was standout is that it integrated what Hellblade was doing 
with a lot of the voices that you're hearing in your head and um, trying to make you seem like you're kind of insane and you're feeling this mental illness that... Not quite uh, the same effect here, but... Yeah, yeah, it's not for the same reason, but it's the same integration of it um, where Master Chief starts hearing these, what they're labeled as whispers, which, go figure, Um, you're hearing these whispers of these conversations, (laughs) which you assume have happened before and you're seeing these images and it uses that same effect that Hellblade did, which um, honestly, I felt some vindication for uh, loving Hellblade as much as I did after that, because I knew that Josh and I knew that game was going to be a revolution and it was going to be so impactful. And I think a lot of people who played it eventually did as well. Mm -hmm. So it's cool to see that effect being integrated into something like Halo um it's it's been awesome playing with my headphones if you if you guys haven't played this game with headphones i highly suggest that you do it because it's incredible um what one last thing i want to mention about the game because i've been talking a lot is i am actually still playing on my base xbox one and i wanted to mention that the game does still look phenomenal even on that base xbox and it's not running as bad as i thought it was going to there are a little bit of frame rate issues as to be expected and sometimes the facial animation gets a little bit wonky um it being the base system but for the most part it runs very well and i was surprised by that because obviously this is a game optimized for the next generation but it's still excuse me it's still running really well so i figured that would be excuse Mm me i figured that'd be interesting to note because obviously um i think you guys are both playing on pc correct and i'm playing on probably the worst way to play this game but it's still running really well well i think it's made for the consoles first of all because there's still just weird issues with some of the settings on pc that it's like okay like sure guys um like we're just it really seems like it was optimized for those other platforms oh, that's more clear. so. Um, that's clear. Um, so yeah, I, I, I think, I mean, I, this is their flagship. They, they're they're going to put the effort into making sure it works excellently on their own hardware. Um, and so, yeah, it, it's good to hear that it still weren't, runs that well, even on the, uh, not the cutting edge hardware. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, that, that, that makes sense. That makes sense. I, I would think that a game that has been on the Xbox for so long, it's the game that launched Xbox for Microsoft that they probably, I, I guess, would want to optimize it for the Xbox Series X and S. But, um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not surprised, but kind of a shame, I guess. I mean, it's, I don't know. it still I, runs pretty well. It's just like, it's my favorite Mac exclusive. Really weird, dumb choices in some of the st- settings on PC that are just... They decided to do their own... Decided to do things their own way instead of, you know, like... These settings do very specific things that people know what they do and then they do something slightly different in this one. Um, for reasons. Um, which just makes setting it up a little bit frustrating yeah if 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 you are ocd about you know your shooters and 
sensitivity and stuff. It it's a pain in the ass uh, to fix, or you can't even completely fix it yet. But to get it close enough, um, but again, it runs really well. So anybody else who's not OCD about that sort of thing, you're gonna be able to turn it on. It'll play just fine, right out of the gate. Um, so yeah, it's. I, I think that's, I think that's kind of the Halo audience anyway. So sure. Mm. Yeah, that's fair. I, I mean, I don't have too many more thoughts right now just because I'm not far enough into the campaign. Um, I've just, I've really enjoyed the campaign, but also at the same time, I, um, you know, in the past where I could sit there and just play Halo, from, Halo uh, Combat Evolved from beginning to end without tiring, mm-hmm. I, I think I played for the main campaign for four hours straight and I was like, okay, I need a break. Um, yeah. And it's n- nothing necessarily bad against the game. It's just that um, maybe my gaming style has changed. I don't know. I don't even know I was what it is. I felt similarly. I do, but interestingly enough, like um, I could still do that with Halo Combat Evolved, and I don't know if uh, I could do that yeah. with this game. Yeah, kind of like yes. Like I got to the open world section and I um, spontaneously fell asleep uh, because of well, there's. 800 Ubisoft icons all of a sudden. There's not uh, quite that many. There's not quite as No, it's, it's not like it's it's anything, a manageable it's, amount. It's not anything, far cry. It's closer. Honestly, the world feels closer to something like the the, the Tomb Raider reboots or like Gears 5. It's a manageable sort of one. Like it's one where I can go world-ish. It, like, yeah, that's that's why I think semi-open world is a good term because it is a manageable amount of mm-hmm. icons. It is amount of icons where I look at it and go, I'm gonna do yeah, all like, these. Yeah, that's doable. Um, exactly. Um, but still, I don't know. Like I hit that, and I'm like, oh, this is when I should take a break. Like it's it's a very obvious. Sure. Like, okay, I'm I'm done here for now. I'll screw around in the open world again for like my second playthrough, and then maybe I'll do another main mission after that for another play session um like somehow they made it bigger on a bigger scale but it it seems like it's easier to just kind of play a little session of it here and there i don't think that's necessarily a bad thing either no no no, i don't think it is either it's just i feel like with the whole game just kind of being a you know tunnel you run through from end to end like they used to be um it it, it, encourages it always a different... feels like there's a reason you should keep going. Um, it encourages a different style of play. Mm-hmm. Like like the original Halo, yeah, that's totally a thing. Like those those are games. Like if we were doing like long extra live streams or something, those are kind of games I think about. Like I could do a run of Halo during this. Yeah, like exactly. It's almost more arcadey in that sense of like mm-hmm. I'm just gonna sit down and r- run this from front to back. Yeah. Yeah, I I I think it's more along the lines of the uh, the way it's it's been designed now that I feel like I can start and stop at any given point. Yeah. It's more open-ended. It's presented very differently. That, that, and I think that the, the checkpoint system, the saving in the, in the game is much more generous than in games past. So it's like, I don't Mm. feel like I have to finish this level either. You know, I can just get to this area. It'll checkpoint for me. And I'm like, okay, I'm good. Yeah. (laughs) I'll go do something else for a little bit and come back. So. The silent but it's been nice. It's been a fun game. I'm actually excited to uh, play more. I am. I'm probably going to play some more of the campaign today. But you guys have any uh, final thoughts before we move on? 
I wish this game had more Arbiter. The Arbiter is cool. Yeah, whatever happened to the Arbiter? Um, the he's got some ate scenes him or something. I don't know. He's got no. He's alive. He has some scenes in Halo Five. <laughs> You're thinking of the Grave Mind, which is a thing for some reason. It, um, yeah, exactly. Uh, he's got some scenes in Halo Five where like Spartan Locke is asking him if he was in a romantic relationship with Master Chief, and he says, "I don't know, maybe." Um, that's what I took away from that conversation, anyway. Uh. He's, that's canon, right? Yeah, I think so. He's been around. He's been around. And if you don't know who Spartan Locke is, I don't have time for that. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah, I just I hope Arbiter pops up more. I think that was I think that was one of the reasons why I liked Halo 2 so much, and I hope that he gets some more screen time here. But I see. love that first Arbiter level in Halo 2 where you're taking out the like extremist covenant. Mm-hmm. Yes. Such a good level. All right, well, let's move on into they Shovel Knight. They completely po- change the mechanics, and all of a sudden you're playing it like, you know, a Souls-like game as the Arbiter and have to sword fight the, uh, uh, the other Covenant guy that's supposed to be tracking Master Chief. They, they better have that at some point. I, 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 I need that later on in this campaign. Just, that, just a sword I fight agree. between those two. I'm in I for agree. it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Rich got a code for... Shovel Knight Pocket Dungeon, so we wanted to make sure that he had some time to talk about that. So, Rich, I'm going to open the floor to you on this. Sure! Um, I played a ton of this. Uh, review is up now, actually. But uh, Shovel Knight Pocket Dungeon is a new Shovel Knight game, for if that wasn't fucking obvious enough. Uh, but unlike, you know, past Shovel Knight and Shovel Knight expansions, this is a puzzle game. Um, Particularly, it is a falling block puzzle game, uh, sort of in line with like a Poyo Poyo or something like that, where um, the main mechanic in uh, Poyo Poyo is, you know, match four and they disappear. The main difference here is in, in a game like Poyo Poyo, you're controlling the blocks themselves and moving them to line them up. Here, you're controlling a character on the board. You're namely controlling Shovel Knight and other knights you can unlock with different abilities as you progress. Uh, basically by defeating them as bosses, you unlock them. And you are physically attacking the blocks that have different, like, defensive abilities and stuff like that. And your knight has health. And the difference is you hit a block, it hits back, with the exception of something simple like a block of dirt or something. So there's also health potions dropping on the board, and you're trying to, to manage health. I thought I specifically remember being told that boards don't hit back. (laughs) <laughs> oh, they they do they do in this scenario, yeah. um, but yeah, there's uh I during the roughly ten hours or so I spent reviewing this, um I unlocked pretty I yeah I did unlock every night I did, um the the different night abilities are what shakes it up so much like shovel knight particularly is fairly simple he has a shovel he attacks he has a pretty base amount of health a pretty base amount of defense there. Um, and then you unlock different knights with crazier abilities, like Plague Knight, who was the first knight I cleared the board with, has less health than the other knights, but, uh, he deals poison damage, so when you step away, the enemy you hit takes an additional damage, um, and you can clear a little faster that way. Uh, play, uh, Spectre Knight, um, can't use health potions to heal himself, but he heals damage when he clears a a row of blocks, stuff like that, Hmm. that sort of shakes up the way you play. Uh, there's even a few new characters. Uh, there's Scrap Knight, who's going to be in the recently announced Shovel Knight Dig, that'll be coming out sometime in 2022, 
Um, and there is Prism Knight, who is a character unique to this game, who uh, uses like a teleport ability around the board. Um, Likes prog rock. He he loves prog rock. It's his absolute fucking favorite. He's got a big mace. He's a cool looking guy. Does he um, like Fraggle Rock? Everybody likes Fraggle Rock. True. Uh, I think one of the main things I want to highlight on this is the pure accessibility of this game. I feel like is really fucking awesome. Uh, because a lot of games like to posit that you make it as difficult as you want to. I think it's really true in this. One of the first settings you plug in is basically, I think as I explained it to you guys in our group chat, was the first question Shovel Knight Pocket Dungeon asks you is, you want this to be a roguelite or nah? Um, <laughs> where uh, basically you can set it to a stock mode or a roguelite mode. Um, in roguelite mode, you die, your run ends, you you know, there's there's some persistent stuff like upgrades you're adding to the store that can drop on the map and stuff. So you're getting a currency for finishing boards. Um, in stock mode, it plays more like a typical puzzle game where when you die, you respawn at the top and you only truly lose when the board is completely covered and you can't continue. Mm-hmm. Um, what I will say is for my first few times clearing, I played it in stock mode with an infinite stock. This game gets fucking hard. Um, as I started to get a little better and got a little bit more comfortable with the knights I preferred using, and I found that to mostly be, um, Plague Knight and, uh, Prism Knight, then I started, like, putting, like, a five stock, or eventually going down to, like, a three and just trying my best, because it is really hard to get a good run like that, but you kind of learn the character you learn who you're going to perform the best with. And then I feel like you can really tweak the difficulty from there. And it really is crazy how much harder you can make it than, than it normally is. Interesting. Um, now for fan, for fans of the shovel Knight action platformer game are, do you think people are who are fans of that game are going to be interested in this game outside of it just being shovel Knight? If you do not like puzzle games, period, then I'd say it's probably not for you. Like, it does have a bit of the Shovel Knight flair. It has the same kind of, uh, I guess, polish you'd expect at this point from something with the Shovel Knight name on it. But it is a puzzle game through and through. Mm. Um, if you like, I like puzzle games a lot, especially things like Puzzle Fighter. Uh, there is a versus mode in this that is a lot like playing Puzzle Fighter. And I think uh, that's some of the most fun I've had with it. There's um, also daily challenges where it's a specific board. You have to play with a specific knight. Um, I found myself in the top three for a while, but then people who were not video games journalists got hold of the game, and that'll never happen again. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's it's really good. It brings that Shovel Knight flair, but I to, to posit your question, really, Shay, I, if you don't like puzzle games, you're not going to like this, regardless of how much you like Shovel Knight. It is... Okay. But it has the care and love you'd expect from something with Shovel Knight's name on it. And it's a really awesome puzzle game that feels wholly unique. Like, taking elements of things like Puzzle Fighter and things like Poyo Poyo and Tetris, um, but feeling wholly unique in that genre. And that's not something you see a lot of these days. Okay, cool. Hmm. Yeah, and you wrote a review on this, correct? I did. That's up on the website. It's currently up there right now. Yes, yeah. Cool. Well, I mean, for those of you who like Shovel Knight or like strat games, uh, go read Rich's review on this. Um, I actually, I did read it. I did. I wasn't sure if it was live when I read it because I was on the site, so I was just looking through it. But um, yeah, check it out. Uh, it's something that I might play here in the near future. 
and um it it's the same developer as Shovel Knight, correct? Or was let me it, just verify just that it's pub it's published by Yacht Club. I don't believe it was developed by them. Let me just double check. I, I, well, I know it wasn't. I just want to get the developer name because yeah, I, feel... I, I wanted to make sure we get that right. That way, we know who to thank here on the site itself. Um, yeah. For yeah. So it was jointly for... developed by Vine and Yacht Club Games and published by Yacht Club Games. Okay. Well, th- thank you to both of them for uh, getting us a code so Rich could review it. Um, yes. The thank. Uh, I mean. I have said multiple times, because we've talked about a lot of the stuff they put out recently, um, Yacht Club has very quickly become one of my fav- favorite like developers slash publishers of the modern day, and they are always quick to hook us up with shit um, and give us a lot of time before uh, launch to do so. So we much love to those yeah. guys. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, the next game that Rich is also going to talk about is another code that he got for a game called fight night yeah uh fight night is uh an interesting one because this kind of came out of nowhere i had a few um of my personal friends actually check this out and recommend it to me and i ended up dropping an email to uh the developer because it is developed by one guy um is fight night which is a weird looking game like at at a glance it's got almost like a hand-drawn uh doom aesthetic to it uh, I kind of love the art in how like oblique and like '90s PC game it is. Um, it's from Team Sorcerer, Robe. the the main crux of the game is it is a first person dungeon crawler where you are playing as um a paladin who has been cursed to not be able to wield a weapon, which means you are a fully armored fella who's got a bare knuckle box every one you encounter. Um. So, first person dungeon crawling, um, and then combat is actually instance. So, you'll get into a combat, and there'll be like, you know, one, two, four, five enemies on like a grid in front of you, and you're bobbing and weaving left to right, guarding, throwing uppercuts. Um, and as you progress, you sort of uh, construct these new armor sets in the town square. As you move up in this tower, which is the main thing you're navigating, um, you can unlock new special abilities. You can send people back to the town to start making potions to help you as you climb. They'll unlock new armor sets. My favorite one is um, there's a cowboy-themed armor set, which just has you wearing a cowboy hat and vest over your knight armor. Um, (laughs) And and it adds an ability called Quick Draw, where your hand clearly turns into a gun and you leap forward two squares to deliver a Quick Draw punch uh, at the start (laughs) of a match. This game's got a crazy aesthetic. It's got a crazy, like, 90s PC sound and look to it. Um, yeah, it looks very Doom-esque or Doom-inspired. It, it's definitely inspired by that and, like, first-person dungeon crawlers of that age. Uh, every floor of the dungeon has, like, a wholly different theme and look to it where color palettes are entirely swapped as you go up. It looks crude in the best way possible, and I just, um, I'm currently working on a review for that. Uh, the holidays have slowed me down on a few other things, but I'm really, really enjoying this game. Yeah, I, I mean, it it made it made your game of the year list, and not your game. It made it into your game of the year categories. Yeah, it was a, a last minute edition for me, just because like uh, you you were hard pressed to understand why I could pick it because, and I get that because I was talking about it for art. It's incredibly crude looking, but that's kind of what I like about it. It's charming in that way, yeah. It is. And I, I think can, when you when you see it in action 
and you see how much work is put into it because it's not just as simple as crude looking art like palette swaps happen on every floor of the dungeon so suddenly there's different colors and uh one of my favorite ongoing jokes in this game is the the punch button and the interact button are the same so when every you're having a conversation with someone every single time you move the conversation forward you punch them and they react to it in real time okay <laughs> yeah i i was yeah i was a little bit shocked by that but also, I can understand if something's charming, why it would make that list at the point at that point. So, um, who is the developer of that one again? Uh, Sorcerer Robe is the developer. Sorcerer, that's right. I remember that. Thank you also to Sorcerer Robe for uh, getting us a code so Rich could review that game. Yeah, that game is is something special, and it's one of those very under the radar ones. So I'm happy to uh, talk about that where I can. Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So. Um, let's talk, talk about one more quick game before, actually, I don't think we really need to take a break because a lot of these other games are, uh, maybe we will. Let's keep <laughs> going for now. We'll, we'll, we'll gauge it on time. We'll think, we'll think about it, baby girl. We'll, we'll go on the fly, but now I'm going to talk about a game that, um, I was really excited for it to drop and it dropped over the same day that Halo Infinite did. And admittedly, I played this game a lot more than I played Halo Infinite, which was the Monster Rancher 1 and 2 DX Collection. And that is the remaster collection of Monster Rancher 1 and 2. Now, if you don't know what the Monster Rancher games are, let me give you a very, very, very abridged version of what these games are. They are a life simulation game where you would acquire a monster and you would raise it. You would raise its stats, you would feed it, kind of like a Tamagotchi. Um, the, the main draw of this game is you would have your monster battle other monsters in various cups, and these cups um, would have anywhere from three to eight different monsters, and you win prizes and money, and some of the benefits of these cups is that you get access to special items, which will allow you to also unlock rare monsters as well um the three ways that you get the monsters is either going to the market and getting a basic monster you can um breed them and combine them uh so if i have a tiger and i have a dinosaur i can combine them and maybe get a new unique combination or and this is this is what made this game so unique and novel is you would put in your CDs or your old video games, your CD-style video games, so PS1, and the game would read the data and would generate a monster for you. It was a very novel idea. It was an idea that nobody had used up until that point. Completely unique idea. It was so popular that it uh, that this franchise has as of now, 14 games, not including this collection, and it spawned a short-lived anime. Very um, short-lived. <laughs> that, that aired for two seasons. This game was super popular in the U.S. and Japan. So that's kind of the history of this game for those of you that don't know what Monster Rancher is or if you had heard about it but never truly knew what it is. So um, this is a game that I was really into in the 90s. Um, admittedly, I played this game a lot during my parents' divorce. It was, it was one of the games that, um, 
allowed me to kind of escape the reality of what was going on in my childhood for a while there. So that it has a special place in my heart. So for those of you who are like, oh, you played this over Halo, hopefully you understand a little bit of why I was super excited when this game came out. And I was like, I immediately need to play this game because it, it has a very special place in my heart, especially the first game. Um, so I, I do want to talk about um, this game really quickly from two different angles. I want to talk about um, what they've done with this remaster collection and if they hold up. So what they've done is they have done a very minimal amount of uh, visual upgrading. You don't really notice that much, to be honest with you. That's not the main draw here. The main draw is um, a lot of the technical aspects of the game they've improved. Loading times are almost non-existent in this game, which is really nice because back in the day, it was 5 to 10 seconds per load screen. There were a lot of load screens back in the day. Now they're all pretty much half a second, and then they get you in, which is but, really But how nice. does Mochi look? Uh, I'll get to that. Give me a second. <laughs> I'll get to that. Um, some of the other things, they've increased the number of save slots that you can have in the game and the number of monsters that you can have frozen, um, which is the way you keep all your monsters because you can have more than one monster at a given time, but you can't be training or um you quote unquote Kissing. using one at a given point in time so you have to freeze them um in in a in a laboratory basically and okay. this game right, has no, we in, need to have in, a conversation then freezing okay. or being stored on a computer which is which is worse <laughs> um as far as the way you treat your animals in a in a video game being, that's being a good point, digitally actually. put into a computer or being frozen which which is crueler. Well, we, we've tried both Josh, of Walt Disney. Let's just, just ask him which one's go. better. Hmm. That, that, that was the Frozen reference. Mm -hmm. so. yeah. Let it go! I didn't <laughs> get you. it until you explained it. I'm sorry. Thank you, Rich. Thank you. I, I, I know it wasn't a good one, but... You know. I don't think it um, wasn't good. I just honestly didn't get it at first. That's more on me. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, thank you. Hey, it's rare that yeah. I make a joke that you guys admit that's on you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, so problem. Um, yeah, so there, there is that. Um, one of the big things that this this collection has done is obviously had to devise a workaround for the CD aspect of the game, which was the uh, the novel idea that they had and the mm -hmm. So it uses Blu-rays now. Well, I mean, nobody even buys Blu-rays anymore, really, for the most part. Um, so the, the workaround that they've done here is basically there is a search database. So you can search in artists from that time frame, which uh, obviously is going to be a little bit difficult if you were not born around that time, to look up CDs. Um, you can have it randomly gener generate um, a monster by s randomly selecting a CD for you, or you can actually go online and look up um, websites that have curated and written down all of the cds and the monsters that they generate so if you are looking for a more unique monster you can go to these websites and figure out which ones you're missing i mm -hmm. think it is a great workaround because obviously we can't it's the only one yeah it really is the only workaround for that it's it's interesting insofar that 
it doesn't quite have the same appeal of putting in a CD and wondering, oh, what am I going to get for this? Because I remember as a child, my friends and I just being like, hey, what CD do you have? Oh, I don't have that CD. Bring that over. Let's see what we can get. And we didn't. It, what that was just when uh, blogs were starting to appear on the internet, so it was hard to look this stuff up during this time. So really, it was a huge. Just it was the hope. early days of game facts, and I think people were definitely compiling lists, but it was very a hard thing at to that do. Point. Yeah, yeah, it was super primitive. I mean, I still yeah. So now, obviously, you don't quite have that that suspense of oh, what I'm what am I gonna get, but. If if you if you play it where you're just pouring through artists and stuff like that, you're still gonna kind of get that. But I also think that the workaround is nice because me being in my 30s, I don't quite have the desire to sit there and like like figure out which CD generates which monster anymore. So it it's kind of a surefire way to get me to what I want to be raising and to be able to try all the different monsters that I didn't get to try when I was a child because I didn't, mm-hmm. I wasn't able to unlock all of them. Yeah. So it's a much easier way to unlock some of this stuff now. So that, that has been a really neat and nice workaround for 2021 uh, for these two games. Siri, search Monster Rancher NFTs. Oh, no. <laughs> I have many of those. Just right-click them. You guys um, want to buy my Mochi NFT? <laughs> Yeah. One of the downsides I will say about this whole randomized feature is especially it's more noticeable in Monster Rancher 2 is some monsters are locked or way to you as a trainer until you have uh, met certain qualifications or specifications uh. to be able to raise them. So if you use that randomized feature in Monster Rancher 2, you basically cannot get the get those monsters. And for me, I spent about half my time doing that randomized because I don't I never played Monster Rancher 2 as a child and it was oh you can't raise that oh that's a super rare monster you can't get that and it just kept happening which is a little bit frustrating to be honest with you but it is what it is um those are kind of the main technical improvements for this remaster so sure um now to approach this very very succinctly as a does this game still hold up yes i absolutely think number one holds up because it it was such a simple game it's like it's like a digital tamagotchi um as opposed you can fight with as opposed to an analog tamagotchi with with fur and and (laughs) no josh you're thinking of you're thinking of of furby (laughs) yeah Sorry, let me reword that. It's a it's a Tamagotchi <laughs> that you can quote unquote control to some degree. Uh, um, I like that. By the way, in real time, Josh and I just both made eye contact as you said the words "digital Tamagotchi." <laughs> <laughs> you guys know what I meant, though. You guys know what I meant. But yeah, you're right. You're right. You're oh, right. Who's I gonna say it? <laughs> Is a Tamagotchi in video game form? How about that? Is that sure? There you go. Yep. Sure. Okay. We got there. Um. The the animations are simple enough and they're cute enough to where it doesn't to me it of course I'm gonna have some nostalgia with that, but it hasn't aged that much. Like the 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 3D monsters are still cute enough with the outdated graphics. Yeah. And when they're when you're doing stuff with them, like training them or putting them to work, they the animations it becomes like a 2D 
um, cartoonized version of your monster. And it, I think it holds up well because of that. Um, the loop is still fun as hell. I, I still love the loop. One of the things that's really nice is you can actually um, set your monster to battle for itself, to call its own moves and stuff. So one thing I was doing last night, actually, <laughs> was I was playing Halo. I was playing, like, Team Deathmatch. And then I had my Switch on my lap, and I was telling my monster to auto-fight as I was playing Team Deathmatch in Halo. Mm-hmm. So um, You're a real fucking truly... monster. <laughs> <laughs> I was the true monster, yes. Um, and that's one of the other things I forgot to mention, is that you can fast-forward. Uh, there's a fast-forward function in this remaster, which is really nice. So I mentioned that I didn't play Monster Rancher 2 as a child. So my first experience has been this collection. And uh, I got to be honest with you guys. A lot of people rate Monster Rancher 2 as better than number one. I think Monster Rancher 2 is fucking dog shit. I have not liked my time with that game at all. Um, They changed the way that you get money. You have to earn money in order to train your monster in certain ways. And you have to earn money to feed your monster, of course. I have not been able to earn any fucking money on this game because they've changed the job <laughs> system. Um, and I read it online. The job system is basically pointless. The, the best way to earn money in this game is to uh, fight with your monster. I've tried four different monsters now, and they all suck at, tr- at training. So um, I can't even be competitive with any of these <laughs> monsters in order to earn money. I always lose fights. And on top of that, this with the second game, they were basically trying to get a new monster and and feed the first monster to the second one. (laughs) Yeah. Easy peasy. I mean, that's kind of what combining is in a way, kind of, but, um, (laughs) one of the things I will mention is that they, they were trying to integrate more 3d animation in this game. So there's a lot of sitting around watching outdated 3d animations. A lot that of sounds time. awesome. And whereas the first game had those little 2D quick cute animations, this game you're watching a lot of very outdated 3D animations. And to me, with someone with no nostalgia for the second game, I have a lot less patience for that. A lot less. So um Who I gave the watch game Knights of the Round all, the whole way through every fight. <laughs> I do. Right? I can't wait to see what that's gonna look like in I the usually new games. Get up and make dinner. <laughs> you cook the entire dinner by the time you get yeah. back. Mm-hmm. I'll like, I'm no. going to make a souffle while we wait for Knights of the Round. <laughs> You're actually going to go locally source each yeah. ingredient for the souffle, fly back to your home, make it, and you'll still be in time before mm-hmm. Knights of the Round is done. Uh, but I'm like, oh, cool. We're just finishing up now. Yeah, cool. I, I tried four different monsters. I think I gave it five hours before I was just fed up with Monster Rancher 2. I mean, for people who have nostalgia, I'm sure it's great. Um, it's a great game, but I have no nostalgia, and I fucking hated this game. And I'm really sad, because I love Monster Rancher 1 so much, and Monster Rancher 2 is supposed to be a better version, and I couldn't, agree, or I couldn't disagree more. So, yeah. Might be a time and a place thing, you know? You never know, but... Uh... Hey man, I'm glad you're uh like I like Monster Rancher plenty, but I know you like it considerably more than I do. Yeah, um, I mean I'm glad a you're big getting part to experience of that is nostalgia. It. Yeah. 
And I did I did try the anime. The anime was fun to watch. Does anybody great, uh does anybody remember that game? It would have been like around that like post Monster Rancher era where everybody was trying some dumb gimmicky thing where the whole thing was it was like a handheld game uh where you would scan barcodes to get monsters. Does anybody remember yes. this? Yeah, it was yeah. I, I like never scanners played it or something. That. So yeah, that was some, actually that was actually a whole genre. In Japan, we just we only really oh, got that. Bar- we got that one. I remember. Yeah, we that got that one because there were like a bunch of NES and Super Nintendo scanning games, and I don't think any of them came to the states, or maybe one or two. Because they probably didn't want to risk it on the peripheral sales. Mm-hmm. But yeah, there was yeah. There's there's like what is it? It's like Barcode World or something. It was like one of the first scanner scanners was the one we got here in America. Hand there were a game. lot of cool things like that back in the day. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's a cool, World. it's a cool idea. Mm-hmm. Was the NES Absolutely. one that I don't think we got? Absolutely. Oh, oh I'm looking at scanners on Amazon. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> I mean, I I wrote a review for Monster Rancher. Um, it's probably not gonna a full review on this. It's probably gonna go up here in the next couple weeks as we are top ten. Or our top games lists. Are It'll going be out shortly after that. Yeah, there's a, a, a short, a handful of uh, top tens left to go up. Ma- namely, our, as of recording this, our three have not gone up yet. Um, but uh, we have had, uh, you know, ones up from Bebop and from Ray on the website, and our, the three of ours are going up shortly. And and that review will be like the first thing up right after that. Yeah. Uh, yeah so exactly. look forward to that. It might even be up by the time you're listening to this. I'm not sure what our release plan on this episode is. Yeah. Exactly. Um. Yeah, it was it was an interesting review to write, to be honest with you, because I had to approach it from, do these games hold up? What does the collection do? And also, my first time playing Monster Rancher 2, so I had to approach it from many different angles. It was, a, it was probably one of the more difficult reviews I've ever had to write, but it's a fun one. It was a good challenge. Hmm. So, um, let's jump here into Wolfstride. Uh, yeah! This is another game that Rich played. I... He's really excited to talk about. I, Josh and I uh, were, I can't remember which one it was. Josh and I have streamed over the course of 2021 a lot of fucking uh, game events that are just like, look at all these trailers. Mm-hmm. Um, one of them had Wolfstride in it, and I remember him and I both being like, oh, that looks cool. Yeah. Um, and we were right. This game is fucking cool. <laughs> um, Wolfstride is, if I had to describe the aesthetic of it, um, it looks like a manga, which is just kind of a cool look for it. Um, basically you're playing as, um, this character, the entire arc of the game is you are basically the manager for a company with a, a fighting mech. Um, and there is this big golden God tournament coming on and you are trying to raise money in between fights by working odd jobs. So a lot of the gameplay arc is like you running around town and securing things you need before the next fight, Hmm. as well as doing mini games from things like being a bicycle messenger to washing some old lady's cats uh, in order to raise money to buy new parts and weapons to upgrade your robot. And then the actual robot fights themselves. Um, You play as the pilot for that of your mecha cowboy. Um, who it's kind of, it's a turn-based combat system where it's working, um, on like a sliding scale. Well, there'll be like 10 points at the bottom of the screen that are for positioning. You have different attacks, some that require ammo, some that pierce armor, um, and everything has a range. So you have a certain amount of movement per turn and a certain amount of actions per turn. You can take defensive positions, um, 
and attack different body parts. You can hmm. aim for the head, either arm or the torso. Um, but to win, you need to destroy the cockpit. Typically, the cockpit is in the torso. Um, depending on the mecha's build, it's different sometimes. Um, but they typically point that out to you. You usually spend the week before the fight like doing research on it. Um, and you can also take out other components to stop them from performing certain attacks. Like you can even look at the attacks you're equipping on yourself to be like, uh, you know, this particular move requires both arms. This requires the right arm. This requires the head. Um, there's a lot of strategy to it. There's a weird element to it. And about an hour or so in, I'd say you unlock one of my favorite, uh, elements for unlocking money is you download, uh, this thing you hook up to your mecha when it's in the dock. That is basically an online mech battling game that your pilot uses to try and improve an off time. Uh, so you don't have to worry about repairing your mech after those fights because it takes no real damage. But there's like extra challenging fights you can find. And um, funny enough, if you dive right into it, <laughs> there's only like two things to do. But then you have to spend 100 in-game dollars on the game's battle pass. <laughs> so you can actually start unlocking rewards. Uh... Uh, and there's there's a lot of good like jokes like that and stuff. I think the the script in here is really good. Um, there's like a story at the core about like being former Yakuza and like a bigger kind of drive behind what has brought these four characters together to sort of form this team and try and climb up from nothing. And uh, it's just about like lining up these fights and preparation. It's not quite what I expected, but I'm liking everything that it is. Uh, mm. It's another like under the radar sort of indie thing that I think is definitely worth checking out. I've put about ten hours in at this point. Okay, that sounds interesting. Yeah, it's it's really fun. fun and it's got a look. Yeah, I am looking forward to that. I I bought that like at release or maybe before. I can I don't remember if we were able to pre-order that one or not. But when it came out, um, and I've just been so burnt out at the end of the year here with everything else going on with holidays and everything that uh i've not started it yet so it is one of those ones that's been relaxing where i can plug like an hour or two here and there it's got good music to sort of uh melt away to and like i said that that writing is just bar none like there's one of the favorite dumb jokes i think they have is a lot of the times you'll wake up on a day and your quest will be like oh this character needs you to go to the store and buy this item and a lot of the times it's like, you need to pay attention to the dialogue boxes because you'll go to the mini mart and there'll be like six items all with kind of similar names and you need to make <laughs> sure you buy the wrong, the correct thing. But one time I went to the store and one of the items listed was just wrong item. <laughs> and I bought it anyway, just to see what would happen. <laughs> That's amazing. Because <laughs> you need, you need wrong item. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I absolutely needed it. Yeah. That's awesome. Cool. That's Wolfstride. That was quick. That was a quick one. It's a quick um, one, despite the fact that I've played a lot of it. I just, uh, I definitely will have deeper thoughts once I am done because it's a really, really cool game. Yeah. Actually, yeah. And I'm sorry to do this. I had one other, I had a story that I wanted to tell you guys about Monster Rancher that I forgot about. Um, that's really, really important because it's going to make you guys laugh. Do so, it. So, uh, you you can get special, unique, one-of-a-kind monsters that you can only get from CDs or the search database. So I got this unique worm, and this worm was just fucking kicking everyone's ass. 
just straight dominating in all the cups. Hot. And um, I was getting almost to the, the highest level. And out of nowhere, you have a trainer that's helping you uh, raise your monster. And she says, oh, no, uh, your worm built a cocoon. And I was like, what the fuck? Is that a euphemism, ma'am? Yeah. And she's like, he built a cocoon. He's going to emerge to be big and beautiful. And I did not remember this from the first game, uh, from back in the day at all. This is a thing that I completely purged from my memory. And I was like, oh, I have no idea what this is going to be. It's going to like be some upgraded version of this worm or something with better stats or something. And she's like, I guess he's not going to emerge. I wonder what happened to it. And then all of a sudden, the, this light starts shooting out of the cocoon. And you're like, oh, fuck, what am I going to get? And it was a fucking boring-ass golem. Oh. It was a boring-ass golem. Like and the Pokemon it, golem. And if it, well, yeah. If you don't know anything, worms like have certain um, attributes that it's very strong at and obviously weak at. And the golem has something that is completely different that it's strong and weak at. It kept all the same stats, but it completely changed the move pool or the attack pool. And basically, that golem was never nearly as strong as the worms. So basically, and the there's game no way for you me. to stop that. Like you could, no. it's not like a Pokemon thing where you like, please don't evolve. No. Is that something that's exclusive to the worms, or can any monster enter a cocoon? The worms. Well, that seems stupid, because worms don't enter cocoons. Yeah, it was... Well, and how does a worm become a, a giant rock golem? Listen, man, you know, I'm not, I'm not some great creator. I'm not here to question the divine plan, you know? If uh, <laughs> worms want to enter cocoons and turn into rock monsters, then that's their business. Yeah, I mean, they're free to identify how they want, but I was just... That isn't even really so what I was getting at, but yeah... <laughs> I was fucking livid. I was so angry about that because this worm was just wrecking everyone's shit. And then out of nowhere, I get a mediocre monster. So mediocre monster. Yeah. That's the name. That of the is game, the one baby. thing that I had forgotten about the first game that um, I was not happy about at all. So I'm sorry Anyways. that happened to you. It's all good. It's all good. So uh, I don't think we really need to take a break. Do you guys need to take a break? Well, what do we have left? Do we have a lot? We have, th we have Eastward, Unsighted, and Breath of the Wild. I'll tell you what. I really have to pee. <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm going to be quick, right, so just keep, you can just keep going if you want. Yeah. No, no, no. Let's just go on break then. Let's just take a quick five. Okay. Be right All back. Right. We'll be right back, babies. Break time. Be right, right back. X-ray, X-ray, read all about it. New match at store.swordjump.com. Uh. You there, boy. What news? News, sir. New graphic designs over at store.swordjump.com. New graphic designs at store.swordjump.com. That's right, sir. My God. You can get all the designs you want on t-shirts, masks, hoodies, even phone cases. They've done it. Those sword chomp boys have brought Christmas. Late. Oi, sir. This surely will be the best Christmas yet if you navigate over to store.swordchomp.com right now. God bless you, son. 
God bless us, everyone! Hey, we're back. We are back. We're going to talk about a few more video games before we get the fuck out of here. Um, I have since finished Eastward. Finally. And uh, it feels good. I don't have much good. more to say about it other than I uh, wish I had played and finished this game sooner. Yeah, you, because... like you wish it would have been game of the year. It would have... <laughs> that was a fun discussion. <laughs> um, yeah, if you haven't heard our discussion on this game for the game of the year stuff, definitely check it out. Uh, it was a funny and albeit a little bit of a weird discussion, but we got there. This game is phenomenal. Um, we're definitely going to be doing a Chomping After Dark on this game because there's so much to love about it. I really got lost in Earthborn, the, the game within the game. I think, that, I think it's so impressive that Pixpill managed to slide a whole other game inside of there, and it's another It's like a game, game ducking. It's two bangers. Yeah. Yeah, two bangers. And it's... it's, it's a game that has a lot of depth to it. I was surprised at how much depth there is into Earthborn. So, um, the the story of this game really, really goes places. There were a lot of adorable moments that, and a lot of uh, moments that were kind of hard to swallow, to be honest with you. And I'm I'm really excited. Um, wait, we, yeah, we didn't do the chomping after dark yet, did we? No. No, okay. For I feel some like you reason, I remembered we did, that. We did. I had a, I had a moment, brief moment of craziness, but um, yeah, I'm, I'm so excited we're going to be talking about the story of this game because it is phenomenal. I don't think it's getting enough recognition. I was actually on YouTube the other day, and I saw someone talking about the, the top 15 indie games of this year or something like that, and they didn't even put Eastward on the list. And I, I, I rarely comment on YouTube, and I was like, yo, it's kind of a travesty that Eastward is not on your top list. And the guy actually messaged me back and was like, hey, I tried it, and I, I really couldn't get into it. And I said, that's fair. Give it some time. And it is like, kind okay. of a slow start. Like, I can see being, mm -hmm. like, if it doesn't immediately grab you and you're, like, trying to manage time to finish other stuff, I could see walking away. But I think it, it's definitely worth that slow burn of a start. It is. It is. Yeah. And he said he was going to play it uh, a little bit later the following day. So I never followed up with them to yeah. see if they liked it. But this game is not getting the recognition it deserves. Um, we always have one indie game every year. Last year was Ickenfell. This year it is Eastward. Um, this game is phenomenal. And I, I highly recommend that you play it. The, there, there's a lot going for this game. Um, I'm just I just wanted to briefly mention that I had finished it and I'd really I really love my time with this game a lot. Um I haven't finished e Earthborn yet, which is the game inside of it. I do plan at some point to finish that because yeah. that is a really fun game as well, but Yeah, I still um, want to go back and do like all the optional stuff in there. Like I I, I, I beat it, but I I think that there's supposed to be like a secret boss and stuff or a secret mm. second phase to that boss that uh, Yeah. I really, exactly. I want to go and do all that too. So. I do too. Yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah. So check if you haven't played the game, definitely 
definitely, definitely check it out. Um, it is a phenomenal game, and it's worth your time. So, um, Josh, you played Unsighted, which is a game that I have been wanting to play. I haven't made time for it yet. I'm glad you did, and I'm glad you're going to talk about it because I've been really curious about this game. Um, yeah, yeah, I've uh, still not finished it. I, I really should. I don't think I. Time-wise, I can't have much longer because the game is timed. Whether I beat it or not, it will be over, and I'll either have to restart or, or have finished the game at that point. Um, because this is a top-down Metroidvania um, sort of game. It's not a time loop game, but it's it's very much a game about time. Um, because you are playing as uh, these robots that are kind of all that's left after it, it's kind of hard to tell exactly, uh, you know, what a meteor fell that had its own source of energy that people didn't know what to do with. And there were wars over. It seems like humanity Sexual basically, energy. basically kill itself out. And it's just the robots left. Um, but these robots were also powered by that energy and it seems like maybe it's running out. And, uh, anyway, with that whole, all, uh, everybody you meet is on a clock before they are no more, um, sort of a framework to the game. Um, it is very much about, learning the world, learning the systems, the combat, um, the location of everything. Um, we we kind of talked about how there was a lot of attention paid in Metroid Dread to sequence breaking um, with, you know, like... L- l- there are, there are, there, there's more than one extra way to damage Kraid with, with, uh, sequence breaking like we talked about right. the 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 stomach one if you go yes. to like the very end they have additional ones additional attacks that you can do um which is really cool um this game kind of feels like that's the conceit like you're going to play this one time um maybe die maybe not but you're going to know a whole lot more about where things are um about how the world works uh in order to get places with equipment that um generally you'd think oh i I can't get there i need i need to find this other drop but there you know there's there are always different ways around obstacles uh, depending on how familiar you are with the different systems in the game um and i i really like that i like going through the game and kind of thinking Okay, like now that I know how I can do this particular thing, um, I bet I could have gotten here earlier by going around this other way, um, mm. and and doing something else there um, with it, which is really cool. Um, so I think I don't think I've talked about this on the air, on air yet, but I know talking to you guys, I talked about an old lady in the town who was, you know, really nice old lady, but 
didn't have a lot of time left and it was going to be kind of really draining resources trying mm. to keep her alive. And I right. had basically been doing that um, we all for, make choices, a, for a long time until I got into one of the dungeons or, or kind of areas with a boss in it and that generally have way more densely packed um, puzzles and stuff. Like, none of them are dungeons. Like, this, I, I was a... Uh, was it the library or the aquarium? I, I, it, was, it was one of those two. I think it was the library. But, um, just lost track of time while I was in there. And the old lady didn't make it. Uh, like, I was, I was not able to get back out and, and, you know, top her up there. But, but, oh, oh. is that the Whoa. technical term? <laughs> Whoa. Um, what does that mean? I'm gonna top her up. Um, but then again, just like top you up, just resource wise, it probably was not sustainable for that to continue as was. Oh, so this woman's just a resource to anyway. You? <laughs> well, I mean, it's 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 her or one of the you know other forty characters that I've got a that are also dying at the same time, and and you know. She's already next to dead, so it's gonna be a simple yes or no will suffice. Yeah. Um. I'm I'm really enjoying it because I I like how the game kind of wants you to learn the whole world, learn all the systems that closely. Um, it's got really satisfying, uh, top down combat that is uh, sort of. More, more slowly paced, somewhere like hyper light drifter adjacent, but kind of, kind of closer to like a soulsy sort of a, um, focus on stamina and and longer attacks that you want to make sure you're not, you know, stuck in an animation for, uh, sure. sort of a feel to it. Um, that is really satisfying to learn. Um. A, Especially the parry. The, the the parry in this game is just really satisfying. Um, it, I don't know. It, it, it makes learning those fights. Uh, a good parry is something people take for granted, and I feel like it's a fucking, like, it's a slap. A good parry makes for good gameplay mm-hmm. uh, in, in games that have, like, very sp- specific combat, I think. I'm trying to struggling to have good terminology here. Yeah, yeah, and the one the the thing that I like about this one is that, like, the parry is a a the timing is good. Like sometimes people kind of screw that up, and it takes forever to relearn the wonky timing on sure. your parry. Something something that just kind of makes it harder than it needs to be for no reason. Um, mm. But the the interesting thing about this one is that the parry kind of slightly knocks back the enemy and stuns them, but it doesn't automatically give you a counterattack to it. You're not, like, given a ton of iframes for parrying this enemy or anything. And oftentimes, there are so many enemies on the screen that you'll have to parry one, and instead of going to counter them or anything like that, you'll have to then parry the next enemy's attack, and maybe the one after that, like three of them in a row, before you have any time you're given any window to go and actually swing back yourself. Um, okay. Which I really like, because 
a lot of times after a parry connects, you just feel ridiculously safe in a game. Like, too safe. And in this one, it is very much, well, that enemy that attacked you is um, no longer a threat. But you're not safe uh, just because you parried one enemy. There's no reason to, like, catch your breath and let your guard down. You're still in Exactly. Whereas, like, a lot of times you parry something and, like, you know, that, that sort of... Um, sort of like the spider-man or batman style combat you you parry someone it, it feels really good um and to be fair in those scenarios you should be safe. safe while an entire takedown animation plays um so yeah and it, you know in a world where you are batman uh like yeah no it makes that sense in that situation case, in the context it's, yeah, yeah yeah like in, in in yeah exactly uh it's just i i like that i've not really seen a lot of parries that that work that way um, and it's really satisfying. Um, it's kind of makes, makes you think about the entire combat encounter instead of just the one enemy that you happened to be paying attention to. And I think that it all feels like one long dance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's really satisfying combat. It, it takes a while to get into because. Uh, without that parry. Enemies are pretty relentless um and so it can be kind of a tough like it's you don't have to learn them you can still dodge and shoot at enemies and hit them when you've got an opening but uh it is it is a tough combat system to to kind of master whenever they, mm. they first throw you into it would you say it's easy to like get a good like is it a easy to learn hard to master sort of deal i know that's like a um, tired saying but like is it easy enough to get a hold of it can be um there it, you have you've got like two weapon slots you can map to the right trigger and the left trigger uh and depending on what you pick it will be more or less uh you can you can kind of pick a playstyle that goes with with what you want like you can pick swords that'll attack fairly quickly, or if you want to pick two guns, I'm pretty sure you can do that and just you know dodge stuff, hit them from range, um, mm. doing doing a lot less damage but keeping yourself safer. Um, I I think you could approach it easily enough if you you know. you still kind of have to understand the mechanics enough to know that that's the direction you want to go. Like, okay, I'm having a hard time with this. Let me just, you know, equip the gear that's going to work better for me in the situation. So it's, it seems like they, they, they'll give you enough rope to hang yourself is kind of the, the way the combat system works, you know, overall. Um, okay. So, yeah. So I re- I remember the reason why I was initially interested in this game is I remember reading an article from somebody talking about how this was one of the most overlooked or yeah, overlooked games this year and it was one of the most interesting Metroidvania games that they had ever played. Do you feel similarly to that or Yeah, no, it is it is kind of kind of like I mentioned before with the focus on sequence breaking and speedrunning it which I think is where a lot of Metroidvanias 
shine, even though that's a lot of times not the focus for just the casual players of them. That's that's what makes them so satisfying. I think that's something that Hollow Knight did extremely well um, with letting you get places if you just understood how the m- movement worked in the yeah. game. Because um, there Orion are ability... of the Wisp is another one that does yeah, that really yeah. well. Um, and that, that's something that I feel like um, Metroid has always done well, even though it kind of gets overlooked for it. Um, True. And uh, this one just kind of shines a spotlight on what works so well about the genre. Um, and it's, and it and also, like, none of that would be worthwhile if the movement and the combat weren't just absolutely as rock solid as they are. Um, like I, I've mentioned a few times how many good Metroidvanias there have been this year. And this one definitely kind of rises to the top of that list. Um, so if you had played it sooner, do you think it would have made your, your categories for game of the year in some way? <sighs> it definitely in the categories. Um, I think, hmm, maybe I'm, I'm not sure there's, there's still, those lists are so short for just time reasons because we've got to, you know, do the group stuff along there. Like it, it, it's definitely would have been on a longer list, um, for, you know, like a personal thing, but, uh, I, I don't know about whether it would have made any of those very short lists that we were able to go from um right for for that just because there's still a bunch of amazing stuff this year um no doubt yeah it's something that i do plan on getting around to because i know i'm gonna love it and uh i hope that i end up loving it because as much as i think i will because i think that would be another fun chomping after dark to do but just to be able to have a discussion about another metroidvania it's always good. It's always good for me, and it's always good for us because we all like Metroidvanias here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I had started this. I'll have to make some time to go back, but at some point, I, I know I said this to both of you at some point, I started it and played like an hour and could not get into it. Um, yeah, I remember you mentioning that. Yeah, it, but it, we'll see. It starts you off pretty underpowered and is is is... something that kind of takes you a while to understand where you're even going uh with mm. it like it's it's kind of not until you get to the first town and kind of understand the the whole oh i can just go anywhere but but here's where i'm supposed to be going overall sort of a the framework for for, sure. for what the game is it takes a little mm. while to get there it kind of starts off mysteriously sort of a you know sl- it's not a super slow start, but it's still, it takes a little bit to, to understand what the game's getting at. Um, kind of the, you know, the main draw of it. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. I'll have to check that out. Um, well, thank you, Josh, for telling me about that. Cause I've been super curious about it for a while now and just haven't made the time for it. So. All right, the last game we're going to talk about today before we get the hell out of here is, um, to my own surprise, I during the holidays, I saw that Breath of the Wild was on sale on the Nintendo Marketplace. So I decided to, or the eShop, I should say. 
Mm-hmm. So I decided to finally pick it up, and I uh, I had recently finished Eastward and been playing Monster Rancher the the collection, and I needed a small break from that game. So I figured, what better time than now to start Breath of the Wild? And I I wanted to just go over my brief thoughts here because I obviously want to save kind of my major thoughts for when I have played a lot more of the game. Yeah, but. At the very beginning, to be honest, I wasn't that impressed with the game. I was kind of thinking to myself, why has everyone collectively lost their minds over this game? It's fun, but why do people love this game so much? That was kind of my initial thoughts. And I had played maybe an hour of it uh, years ago when I went and visited Morgan in Montana mm-hmm. when I went back from Japan. But I-, I didn't really get it at first. And then I got the paraglider, and that started making more sense. And the the exploration really opened up um, after I got off that first plateau, and then I finally understood. Um, the exploration in the game is phenomenal. I really love just walking around, climbing, paragliding, and exploring in that game. It feels so much fun. It really does. Um, as you're trying to find all the different shrines tucked away in the world, um, as you come across various unique and rare weapons, as you find what are they called? Colic or what are they called? Korok. The seeds? Hmm? Korok. Korok. Korok, thank you. Uh, the seeds, um, as you find all the towers, all that stuff, it's really, really fun to explore in the world. Um, the story, I, I'm, I'd say I'm moderately invested into it. I like that it's a different take on everything. That I'm not find, fighting Ganondorf. I'm not trying to rescue Zelda. It's, it's a different take on the story, and I really appreciate that. And that's why yeah. I'm actually moderately invested in the story at this point, because I want to see kind of how it pans out. And you know, it's you pretty much know how it's going to pan out, but I'm still really invest, uh, moderately invested in the story. I want to see where it goes next. Um, I will say that there have been moments where I really enjoy the weapon durability i know that's one of the most controversial things about the game i like the fact that where i'm using a weapon and it's like oh your weapon's about to break and you're freaking out and you're like all right this is just another element of strategy and then there Mm -hmm. are other times where i absolutely fucking hate the weapon durability especially as you get into some of the more difficult fights um for example one of the shrines that i went into it's a i think it's one of the hardest shrines in the game it's a major test of strength or whatever it's yeah it's one of the ones where you fight against one of the ancient warriors but it's one of the hardest fights i tried fighting that guy with all of my weapons all of my weapons broke and i still couldn't beat that guy and obviously it's kind of the nature of a game that is open world that you can end up going into certain areas that you probably shouldn't Rich and I were talking before the show about the maze that you go into in the northeastern part of the map. Yeah. Um, where I got my shit wrecked when I shouldn't have been there because I don't have <laughs> enough gear for that. But yeah. um yeah, the the weapon durability in those kind of instances is really frustrating. The and ancients I think it's more... in particular are uh they take a lot of damage to kill. Um, you want to have those guardian blades and stuff. Yeah, there it's it's one of those things where 
especially earlier on, uh, it's a little bit harder to deal with the durability uh, because with those Korok seeds that you've talked about, you can upgrade how much gear you can carry. Um, oh, really? Yes. Yeah, you'll eventually be able to upgrade. When you find Hetsu. Yeah, you'll be able to upgrade. Oh, there's a purpose for Korok. I thought you just yep. collect them. Oh, just so you have not, them, you have not met Hetsu yet? Not yet. Yeah. He's close i'm trying to remember if they forced you to met find him on, him on the, the on the main he's on the path, path to kakariku village yeah i don't know if they force you force you but it's pretty hard to miss him if, on, if you on do that main path if you do i miss might him there. have met him and just kind of breezed over what he was saying so i'll have to go back and maybe if you if you missed him there when you make your way to the korok forest you won't you will he, find him again and that's where he is for the oh rest wait of the i did i didn't go to he that should forest stay yet. on your map well no i'm saying you should meet him before that but um, like once, if you miss him that time, when you eventually go to the Korak Forest, eventually Hetsu goes there, and that's just where he stays at that point. Yes. Yeah. Well, I remember somebody mentioning I could upgrade my storage by going into the forest. You can by every I don't remember what the count is, but you give Hetsu a certain amount. It, of it's, Korok it's an increasing seeds, number. And he's like, do you want to upgrade low. how many uh you know melee weapons you have? Do you want to upgrade how many shields you have? Do you want to upgrade how many ranged weapons you have? Yeah. Um. Yeah. They all upgrade individually with for like increasing amounts. Um, and there is an unbreakable weapon in that game. Um, yes, but I, I think point being those those feats of or test of strength are some of the tougher areas. And there's not a lot of stuff in the game that's like, it's no, you absolutely should not be here. Go somewhere else first. But they they do throw those at you occasionally. Um, and some of those in particular, it's a vibe check. yeah, are are ones that you kind of it's it's a matter of eventually understanding the systems in place with like like I rich just, was saying the the guardian equipment breaks faster than anything else but does so much damage to ancients that it's oh kind of it's worth keeping one of one or two of those around for whenever you run into those and it's just kind of one of those things like you also worth noting those ancients are pretty top heavy um oh, and yeah, if you know how to use a bomb just right <laughs> you can flip those motherfuckers over mm-hmm. oh i didn't even know you could do that okay yeah, they give I, yeah, like it's it's again, like so much of the game is learning what's going on with it that it can be really frustrating banging your head up against something until you kind of stop and and you know, either rethink it or or go somewhere else and and eventually get yeah. that knowledge elsewhere. It's, nothing's ever insurmountable. It's just like, okay, I haven't learned like I I can come back at a point and I I will probably be able to clean this up. Um there's all sorts of little idiosyncrasies that you'll learn like if you move fast enough, even, you know, like when you're fighting those, those guys, the ancient Shay, like sometimes you'll see like a little arm come out and there'll be like a guardian sword attached to it. There yes. are ways where if you move quick enough, you can knock those off and then pick them up in the middle of the fight. Oh, that's dope. Yeah. I didn't know that either. Yeah. There's so uh, there's, much there's a random lot to learn stuff in that like game. that that just. But that's the beauty of that game yeah. and why like I think everyone would like hammer you to play it because I mean I, I when I think back to what I loved about that game, I think back to the time around launch when I was like talking in like group chats with other people in mm. like the industry and stuff about this game and being like up at three in the morning being like, Did you see the fucking dragon? I went over the All hill right. and there was this fucking dragon coming up over like there's so much crazy shit on that map. Yeah, it was cool seeing that dragon. I um I'd, there's more I'd than seen one it in the baby. distance, and then there's an area where I was moving around. I saw this giant dragon shadow, and I was like, "Oh fuck, I'm about to get my shit rocked." <laughs> but actually, it's way up in the sky, and it's just by the sun. Yeah, yeah you and, just you don't register to that dragon unless you aggro it. Oh, you? Just, I mean, yeah. 
even when you do, like, the god dragons don't really... Yeah. You can... I mean, there's a point, <laughs> Josh, you remember, where you're supposed to shoot at them, and they don't give a shit about you. Yeah, um, yeah. But, yeah, Shay, seeing that guy up in, in the sky, uh, there's some places... Those dragons move on a path, and there's some spots where they get pretty low to the ground. Okay. Off to... Yeah, off to... <laughs> let you know, the, the, the more I play it, kind of what I think. I... I kind of so I went in to fight one of the divine beasts, and I was I. Which done one did you start outsides. with? Hmm? Which one did you do first? Out of curiosity, the elephant. Okay, I feel like that's it's the a, natural one they try and lead they, you towards. Yeah, they kind of. If you're following the quest markers towards, you know, kind of the story beats, the they. They don't railroad you into it, but you're close enough that you're more likely to start there than anywhere I mean, else. Also, you got to meet Sidonis, and who doesn't want that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sidonis is cool. No, yeah. I, I got, st- like, so I finished the outside portion, and the, then you go inside to, and it's kind of like a temple inside of there, right? I'm kind mm-hmm. of stuck in there right now, so I was like, you know, I'm going to put that away for a little while. I'll come back to that. I need to... The, the beauty of it, Touche, is, like, those uh, Divine Beast dungeons, like, so many of the puzzles, and this is one of the things I think Breath of the Wild does best, is like it just kind of gives you the toolkit that most of the puzzles are built on at the start with the da- the Sheikah slate, yeah. Um, and so many of the puzzles are physics based that like there's a few cases where I'm like I'm not sure if I solved the puzzle correctly, but I solved it. <laughs> yeah, there are a... those divine beasts are very much kind of a puzzle box, but one that is still kind of like you were saying it's flexible enough that you can yeah you um, can kind of force some some pegs in you can force a square peg into a round hole in some spots in those in those uh things yeah yeah i i haven't been able to figure out i have to open this one door and there there's a switch situation i don't know if you guys remember it's like the rotating wheel and there's a switch on there and you i i would probably know it if it was in front of me but it's been so long like I'll, i'll tell you is i feel like a lot of those puzzles are and i think you had the right idea somehow it's like Listen, I'm, my brain is making this out to be more complicated than it is. If I walk away for a little bit and come back with a fresh head, I'll probably yep. figure it out pretty quick. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, I think that's kind of the nature of video games in general. Like with Halo um, last night, I tried playing a few games online, and I was kind of just not doing well. And then I went and played the campaign for a bit, and then I went back to playing online, and I just started wrecking shit. Yeah, and it's just how it works sometimes. Sometimes you need to take a break, or you need. After to you guys like... went to bed last night, I was doing really good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Sometimes you just need to refresh yourself on the basics of a game in order sure. to yeah. understand sure. what to do next. And I think that's especially true of puzzle games. So, absolutely, oh, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. All in all, I mean, like I've I've enjoyed the game so far. I'm going to keep playing it. Um, I'm going to be chipping away at it. It's. Uh, I felt myself starting to get like. I'm just going to do nothing but play this game like I did with The Witcher 3. Yeah. So I think I'm going to chip. But this game is a little bit easier to chip away at because I don't think there is is as engrossing of a story. Not as interesting, but as engrossing of a story as something. There's nothing that's going to like suck you into like a a side quest or whatever that's going to be like, oh, I need to just sink three, four hours into this thing right now to get to the end of something. It's it's. It's much smaller it's, goals. It, and and again, times. a lot of it is the discovery. Like, And half of that is not just even in the big things, but it's like going to this corner of the map and finding mm-hmm. like the main hub village there and being like, 
it's kind of cool to see the blend of like all these different races and stuff that Zelda universe has introduced over the years and having this huge map where it's like, yeah. oh, this is where the Rito live and like the village layouts are so different and the climate's so different and the monsters are so different and it's, mm-hmm. I, I cannot wait for Breath of the Wild 2 because I'm just waiting for it to expand upon that stuff in all the right ways. Like it is, that game's special. Yeah, I'm hoping that I'm able to get far enough into Breath of the Wild that when we have our most anticipated show, because I guarantee you Breath of the Wild 2 is going to come up in that discussion. And like as much as I want to discuss Breath of the Wild, Breath of the Wild too, I think that's that's the better place to have that discussion. But it's gonna be I can't interesting wait to talk about Link's flamethrower arm. <laughs> what I said, I can't wait to talk about Link's flamethrower arm. Yeah, that's gonna, gonna be interesting. But <laughs> Link's um, Mega Man now, it's gonna be awesome. <laughs> Mega Man. Yeah, but um, I've enjoyed the game so far. I'm I'm excited to get more into it. I mean, that's that's pretty much where I'm at right now. I'm excited for you. If I had more time, this would be the kind of thing where I'd be like, I want to replay this game too, but that's a daunting task. Yeah. You have you have Genesis Noir to yeah. play. Anyways. Yes. Oh, speaking of which, did you grab the again? DLC? Was that on sale or, or what sort of... I, it was on sale. I, di- I decided not to grab it because I okay. wasn't sure if I was going to like the game enough to play the DLC. Honestly, yeah, I know. Rich making <laughs> funny faces over there. Um... I honestly still feel that way, to be honest with you. I don't think I like the, the game enough to play the DLC. The DLC <laughs> slots very nicely just into the game, um, as far as not, not feeling like you have to go out of your way to get to it. It's just kind of additional content through the normal world. Um, mm. So, yeah, it... it best game of the past decade this guy doesn't know if he likes it enough no 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 well, I, like, let me, let me I, I get that way, because Rich. a lot of times in a game like go ahead the, the the dlc feels sectioned off in just these weird ways that it's like oh i have to completely milk everything out of the campaign before the dlc will be worth my time and i yeah, feel like this, this is, one is like almost the polar opposite like yeah. in a way i, I was almost like uh, i kind of feel like i would have benefited more if that stuff had been there from the beginning yeah it almost feels like an expansion like let, let's go back in and tweak these other things and kind of it's just added to it's just an man, additional thing that, it, basically think of it this way shay it's like they added a, a bonus divine beast that gets you a pretty cool unlock for taking taking it out mm-hmm. i mean that that is really cool but i mean Oh, it is literally that. I'm sorry. I'm confused. They literally add Link's Divine Beast. That's what it was? I just... There are other games that have DLCs that I still want to play. I mean... Oh, yeah. Josh and I were just talking about a few days ago how we still want to play Moon Crash from Prey. I I haven't even touched that yet. I've been wanting to for almost four years now. I haven't even touched um, the DLC for The Witcher 3. And I fucking love that game. I love Blood and Wine. Hmm? I love Blood and Wine. Blood and Wine, I've heard, is amazing, and I haven't even touched it. So, like, I was thinking about guiding The Witcher on Switch. Probably a good place it. for it. I'd play a lot of it on the toilet. Uh-huh. You're just like your legs are fucking so dead as you're getting off the toilet because you've been sitting there for two hours playing it. People uh-huh. just banging on the bathroom door. <laughs> Rich, get out of the fucking bathroom! Hey, Geralt has shit to do. Mind and I business. have shit to shit. Are you making <laughs> dinner yet? I'm not making you dinner. Well, then I'm not getting off this fucking toilet. I'm just, you know, I'm going to play the Witcher uh, legs spread in the big bathtub like Geralt. There you go. <laughs> uh, sitting on top of a unicorn. Yep. Naked. 
have we ever had that conversation about the unicorn thing where like with the taxidermy unicorn and unicorns are sentient and have their own society in the witcher so it's pretty fucked up yeah it's pretty fucked up pretty fucked up but it is what it is anyways we're gonna get out of here uh this show went on a little bit longer than i was expecting it to but um that's the nature of this here thing when we don't get to talk about video games for almost a month straight and we haven't hung out with each other for almost two weeks is a show that ends up being longer than we expect so um i want to say thank uh rich correct me again if i'm wrong on this thank you to yacht club games and uh and vine which one vine vine for uh shovel knight pocket dungeon and thank you to fight night guy oh uh sorcerer robe sorcerer robe thank you sorcerer robe um for getting us a copy a review copy of fight night both games that Rich enjoyed. So thank you very much. And uh, just a few back-end things. If you liked the show, please like and subscribe wherever you listen to shows. Um, That helps us immensely. And if you want more content from us, go over to swordchomp.com where we have articles and reviews. We're getting our top games of 2021 lists up there now. Um, Like I said, I have the Monster Rancher Review going up soon. Rich got some reviews on Fight Night and Shovel Knight up there. Um, we have more podcasts that you can check out. We've referenced Chomping After Dark. We have two others, Evoking the Sublime and Chomping at the Bits, that you can check out. Um, we have merchandise that you can buy in case you want to go into the new year wearing some fresh, sweet, sexy clothes, which you won't receive the clothes before then. That's your fault for not planning ahead of time. Um, yeah, idiot. <laughs> Also, you can head over and support us via Patreon at patreon.com slash swordchomp, which you get access to special shows, special tiers, and other various things, and you get re- uh, you are, you're getting rewarded for it, and you're helping us make more awesome content like this, and the show we're going to be doing next, uh, which is the Patreon Game of the Year show. So um, if you want to be a part of that, head over to patreon.com slash swordchomp. Anyways, we're going to get out of here. Um, It's been long enough, and we're going to go enjoy the rest of our holidays. Um, I want to say thank you to Rich and Josh for being here from New York and North Carolina, respectively. I was your host, Shay, calling in from Japan. Thank you for listening to our special holiday show, and we will be back um, in the first week of January with our most anticipated for 2022 show. So really excited for that. Anyways, uh, be safe out there. Um, I know COVID cases are rising and, you know, things are kind of crazy right now. Just remember to be kind to each other. Be safe out there. Take care of yourselves and your loved ones. And uh, make sure you drink lots of water. You know, tis the season. Stay in school. Yeah. Anyways, uh, love you all and take care. Goodbye.